Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... I want you to know, they just barely turned back to God and God's all in. I'm with you. That's an encouragement to anybody that's been away from the Lord. How long do you have to come back to the Lord before the Lord's back with you? Immediately. The Lord receives you right away. He's not like people. If you dog people out for several months and come back, they're going to look at you for a little while. I don't know if I, I don't see if I trust you. You got you to build back up your trust with me. The Lord is not like that, thank God. The moment you turn back to the Lord, He receives you. The nature and character of God is always to welcome home those who turn back to Him. Contrary to the nature of man, our Father in Heaven does not need time to consider if we are worth it. In today's teaching, Pastor Bill will speak to the incredible love of God for His people. It is this love that should inspire us to run wholeheartedly to the Father. There's not a checklist you need to complete before seeking out the Lord. Have you turned your life over to God today? He wants you, no matter your past. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. You don't have to wait till God humbles you. You could just humble yourself. You could take this as a reminder as we watch what God does in Israel when they humble them. We could say, God, I'm reminded. But, you know, I, I didn't veer off too far, but I'm reminded tonight. I just need to be humble before you. I need you, God. I need you for everything in my life. We could just pull up to the Lord afresh. God, I need you. And I'm acknowledging that I need you in every area and everything that I'm doing. And so, but I want you to notice there, there are plea, there's Samuel, please, Samuel, please, you pray for us. Don't cease to cry out to the Lord, our God, for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And so, I mean, Samuel is going to be a faithful leader. And that's what leaders need to do. Leaders pray. Leaders pray for the people. Um, Samuel was a, a faithful intercessor interceding for the people of God. Here's a cool thing with, with, with regard to spiritual leadership. Anybody that's called the spiritual leadership, you should want for the people that you're leading what God wants for them. What God wanted was he wanted his relationship with them to be solid. And everything Samuel said to them was helping them get their relationship solid. You guys look at everything Samuel said. He's just a conduit. He just He's like, I'm telling y'all what to do to get right with God. Turn away from the asterisk. Stop worshiping idols. Come back to God with all your heart. If you do that, I know God. I know he'll, then you'll have some victory in your life. Samuel knew what they needed. He's just conveying it to them. And then Samuel is doing the other part. He's, I'm talking to you guys on God's behalf. And now I'm talking to God on your behalf. And he's just the middleman here trying to help there be reconciliation between God and the people that he loves so much. That's a good spiritual leader. Just trying to connect God's people back to the Lord. Keep them tight with the Lord. Anybody here that's blessed to be a leader in someone's life, that's what you want to be faithful to do. I want to help connect you with the Lord. Um, I, want, I want that connection. I want to, if I can help you be stronger, connected with him, that's what my position in your life is about. So, But Samuel does it beautifully here as uh, they cry out to him and he cries out to the Lord on their behalf. And so now look at verse 9. It says, and Samuel took a suckling lamb and he offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel and the Lord answered him. Uh, this is very important, right? A suckling lamb. This is a young little baby lamb. Did the lamb do anything wrong, y'all? 
little baby, little cute little lamb, you know, little little cutie, little 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 cute little nappy white fur on it and everything else. But they took it. They had to slit its neck, bleed it out, chop the body up, burn the carcass, uh, sacrifice it to the Lord. This is a picture. This little innocent lamb, before Samuel went before the Lord, he offered this little sacrifice, took this little suckling lamb, sacrificed it before the Lord, burned it and offered it to God. Then he prayed. Here's the picture. It's in the same way that we have access to God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He was the lamb slain for the foundations of the world, the innocent lamb of God. And because he bled for us. It's on account of him that we now come before the Lord and say, God, God, I'm coming. I'm, I'm entering into your presence. I'm coming before you in light of what Jesus has done. I don't even have entrance into God through prayer apart from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So in the same way, Samuel didn't just rush in in prayer. He said, well, first, first things first, sacrifice the lamb. Now that's the atoning sacrifice now, because we had there was sin that had to be dealt with. Now we've atoned for the sin. The innocent lamb paid for the sin to the guilty. Now we come before you, Lord. Well, Jesus is that innocent lamb for you and I paid for the sin to the guilty that now you and I have the privilege of prayer that we can pull up a chair and come before the Lord. Don't ever forget that prayer is a privilege to the believer afforded to us because Christ died on the cross for sin, something else that was accomplished at the cross. Amen. All right. So Samuel offers the lamb and then he prays the most important part of verse nine. It says, and the Lord answered him. Right. So he, he prayed and God answered back. God said, you know, he got an answer back from the Lord. Verse 10 says, now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offerings, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. So they showed up while he's in the middle of the offering. Perfect timing. They don't know that they messing up big time. The Philistines are just stupid. They just, the enemy, they don't know. Like you, you, you showing up at this the wrong time. You, you done found Israel humbled and praying and finally repented. Now the sack, oh, y'all about to get it and y'all deserve it. I like a good story. They about to get what they deserve. So it says, now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the, but the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day. And so confused them that the men of Israel went out to Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as below Beth Car. So God does something when it says he thundered against them. Some people think that um, this thundering against them, God was making a point. The, the worship of Baal, one of the things they thought Baal did was control the weather. And so, um, you know, they had there were pictures of Baal with a thunderbolt in his hand. Um, that was how they pictured him. And so some people thought God was saying, check this out. Y'all was worshiping who you thought he was in charge of the weather. I'm a thunder against these fools. And uh, so God threw down some thunder and he thundered against him and it brought confusion among the Philistines. And in the midst of that confusion, Israel was able to pursue them and drive them back and push them out of the area. Then verse 12 says, then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer saying thus far the Lord has helped. So at this point 
God has, you know, been faithful. God has driven back the Israel, the, the Philistines. He thundered against them. He confused them. He gave Israel victory over them. They were able to chase him back out of town, chase him all the way back as far as a Beth car. And then it says that Samuel takes these stones. Uh, he takes a, a stone and he sets it up between the area of Mizpah and Shin. That's where they were having the victory at. And he named it Ebenezer. And it means thus far the Lord has helped. And Samuel, was, he was putting down a monument, a reminder for Israel. I want you guys to remember this. I'm going to put a stone of remembrance here. We're going to call it Ebenezer. Thus far, the Lord has helped. And here's why he did that. Was Israel done? They was just getting started. But he put a stone here. He said, because everything we did this time was right. You guys humbled yourselves. You guys repented of your sins. You guys put away the false gods. You guys returned to the Lord with all your heart. You were humble and saw God in prayer. The sacrifice went forth. God granted us. He said, man, please don't forget this. I'm going to put a stone of remembrance here. Ebenezer stone. Thus far, the Lord has helped. Never forget this. The next time a battle is in front of you, remember this. Remember how God did it that time. Remember where you were. Remember what you did. Remember what God did. Remember that this is the scenario that God blesses. Remember how to do this because we got a whole lot of battles before us. We got enemies that are going to be coming for the rest of time. You guys need to remember this. Now, I titled the message tonight, Remember God, for that reason. I think this is so important, every one of us here, that we remember God, that we remember, even in our own lives, we got to remember God's faithfulness. We got to remember what it is. What was it like when it was good between you and if you're not good with the Lord? What was it like when it was good? If you, if you remember in um, Revelation 2, 5, when Jesus is ministering uh, to the church of Ephesus, how to come back. He says, remember from where you have fallen, repent and then repeat the first works. Uh, he says, you guys remember when it was good with the Lord because you left your first love. But I want you to remember when it was good. And I want you to go back to that. Repent of having left it. Get back into that place. So here he says, I want you guys to remember this. For you and I, it may be healthy. Ladies, how many, how many ladies journal? Most of y'all journal. I know, I know for me, I don't journal because my writing is so bad that if I go back, I don't know what I, I don't know. If I, if I write what the Lord did, I, I, I can't. When I go back, I'm like, oh God, I know you did something. And I was writing it hard, but I don't know what it was, you know. So I use my phone app and I, I keep dates in my phone in the notes app and uh, I'll put confirmation verse, you know, and God spoke to me through the word and I'll put confirmation. I'll put a date. I'll put days where I believe God spoke to me through the word and I'll put the date and the verse and what I believe God was speaking to me through it. So I could go back to it if need be and remember, recall what God said. Then I'm able to go back when I think God spoke something to me and wrote it down. I'm, I'm going to go back when he did it and say, you did do that. God, you're faithful. That was you. And you did keep your word. And those things are good for me because many times when a new situation arises um, and my faith may not be there, those things build my faith up. When I go back and look at God's track record, I'm like, I got no good reason not to trust him for the new thing because God's track record is, is absolutely faithful. I'm always reminded of David. You know, David, when he before he fought Goliath, he had all kind of discouragement. He had his brothers who were essentially his older brothers who were you know old enough to go to war. David was he wasn't even thought enough to be asked to go to the battle. Um, David's dad sent him down to go see how things were going. 
Um, he was just like the little kid. Well, go, go down there and tell me how your brothers are doing in the battle. You know, David goes down and see everybody punking out to Goliath. He's like me. David get down there. If you guys remember, Goliath was going back and forth every day, challenging Israel, telling them who wants some and didn't know Israelite want none. And David rolled up and he was like, what in the world is this, you guys? And uh, it, I mean, it had to anger the brothers for this, the young guy, the young kid to come. And he said, man, why are y'all letting him talk to you like this? And they shooed him away. The brothers, oh, you're, you just, you just, you know, you, you shoot him away and discouraged him. Um, they didn't encourage him. David said, I'll fight him. And Saul said, oh, David, you know, he, he probably looked at David and thought, oh, man, you're a cute little guy, man. He says, this guy has been a warrior your lifetime. Then David told this to the king, King Saul. He says, when I watch my father's sheep, he says, a lion and a bear. That's now, anybody here, I'm an animal kingdom guy. A lion is no joke. And a bear is no joke. He said, man, I, the, the Lord delivered to my bare hands. I killed a lion and a bear. He said, this uncircumcised Philistine would be just like one of them. David dug into his track record. He said, man, when I was out there watching my dad's sheep and a bear rolled up, God gave me the victory over a bear. Then God gave me the victory over a lion. I ain't afraid of no man. If you beat up a bear and a lion, you ain't going to be afraid of no man. Amen. And so David said, man, God got me. My, my God is all that. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go to war. with." And he went and he won. He had a victory. He didn't go in the strength of David, though. He went in the name and in the strength of the Lord God. Amen. It is important that we're able to pull on God's past faithfulness for the new challenges and the new battles that are ahead of us. And so he set up this Ebenezer stone um, saying, thus far, the Lord has helped. And um, Ebenezer means stone of help, but it's, it's to remember, remember that God helped you. And so, again, I, I challenge you. I challenge myself. Remember God. Remember his faithfulness. As believers, we don't look back for a lot of things. We do look back for God's faithfulness that we can we can draw faith from uh, what God has done in the past. So now. Uh, let's move on to verse uh, verses 13 and 14. It says in uh, verse 13 now, it says, So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. So the Philistines were subdued. And notice this. They didn't come back anymore. They didn't want no more. They, they no longer came into into the territory of Israel. So God defeated the vic the enemy. God kept them from coming back, pestering them. And then it says, the hand of the Lord was just against them. Well, if you guys remember the last people that the hand of the Lord was against, they were breaking out with, when you breaking out with tumors and rats and everything, you don't got time to be chasing down no Israelites. Y'all got your own problems. Now God's hand is against the Philistines so that they won't be bothering his people. God did that. There's something about God being with us. God can do some things that we can't even we can't even we can't even think of. If God is for you, what up? Well, somebody finish. If God be for you, who can be a nobody? Nobody can successfully be against you if God is for you. And that's what they're experiencing here because they repented. I want you to know they just barely turned back to God and God's all in. I'm with you. That's an encouragement to anybody that's been away from the Lord. How long do you have to come back to the Lord before the Lord's back with you? Immediately. The Lord receives you right away. He's not like people. If you dog people out for several months and come back, they're going to look at you for a little while. I don't know if I, I don't see if I trust you. You got you to build back up your trust with me. The Lord is not like that. Thank God. The moment you turn back to the Lord, he receives you. The greatest picture in the scriptures of this is the prodigal son 
who had disrespected his dad, asked for his inheritance before his dad was dead, took it and spent it and lived wild and riotous and spent up all the money. And then when he didn't have nothing left and all his friends left him, he was about to eat pig slop. He came to himself, the Bible says, and he said, I'm going to go home. And he had his little pre-planned speech. I'm going to tell my dad, I don't deserve to be one of your, you know, your son anymore. But I, I just your hired servants have have it better than me. Just let me be one of your, your hired servants, dad. And the Bible says that when the dad, who's a picture of the heavenly father, when the dad saw him afar off, it says that he got up and he ran. And, and in that culture, distinguished men, well, they don't run. But this dad ran. He ran out and grabbed him, fell on his neck, kissed him. It was emotional. And he, res- he received him back immediately. And the son started with his little pre-planned speech. Dad, I'm not worthy to be called. Dad, shut, shut, shut up with all that, man. Get, get a ring, get a robe, get some sandals, restored him back, threw a party, celebrated. His, my son was dead. He's alive. That's the picture of God. God receives us just like that, just for the asking. Just as you come, he'll take you back. So you might have been out there a long time. You might have been doing scandalous stuff, but you can come back. And God is that good. He'll receive you all the way back. Um, just like that. And uh, people aren't like that, but God is like that. And so you come on back if that's what you need to do this evening. And so moving on, verse 14, it says, then the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath and Israel recovered its territory from the hands of the Philistines. Also, there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. So here we have even more that God's doing. Now there's restoration of land that had been taken away. When Israel was disobeying God and Philistines were whooping on them, they were taking their territory and claiming it for themselves. Now that Israel's right with God and God is standing with Israel, God is also standing against their enemies and God is now restoring land to them. This is something else that God does. When we return to him, we come back to him. God has a way of restoring. God can restore life. God can restore callings. God can restore you to your purpose. You may have wasted years going the wrong way, doing the wrong thing. One of the wonderful works that God does, apart from salvation, is God does restore. He, and he restores completely. The Old Testament talks about how the God is able to restore the years that the canker worm is eaten away. Years of loss, God is able to restore it and bring it back. Um, restoration is one of God's greatest works. And so um, as people repent, that's what God does. God is able to restore and put things back the way he wanted them to be in the first place. Look at verse 15 now. It says, and Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And so we know that Samuel was, uh, he was the guy that God used, that he judged Israel all, all the days of his life. Verse 16, he went from year to year on a circuit to Bethel, Gilgal, Mizpah, and he judged Israel in all those places but he always returned to Ramah for his home was or his home was there. There he judged Israel and there he built an altar to the Lord. Notice that when it, when it says he judged Israel, it's not like he was going around judging. Like I judge him. He wasn't going around with, you know, shaking his finger at them, judging them. It meant he oversaw them. He was presiding over them as the judge. He was there. He was their spiritual leader and advisor, intercessor and all those things. That's what it meant for him to be the judge over them. And so I want you to know Samuel was a busy man of God. You know, when it wasn't nothing going over here, he said he was just going from place to place on a circuit. You know, so he would leave home. He would go here, there, the next place, making sure that things were the way that God wanted them to be in Israel. Samuel's one of the few people that spent his whole life 
from start to finish serving God without there's no apparent blemish. We know he was not perfect because he's not Jesus. But there's a few characters in Scripture where the Bible, the Holy Spirit doesn't tell us their flaws. Daniel, Joseph and Samuel. These are three guys that you look at their whole life and just think, man, you don't really see them. You just see a, a purity of life about them. And God's purposes were fulfilled in these guys lives in a significant way. That's a message for us, right? When you look at the purity of life, you see a person's life that seems, un, it, because it wasn't like these interruptions of their own sin, it, it appears that God had his way with them completely. Everything God wanted to do through Daniel, he did it. Everything he wanted to accomplish through Joseph, he did it. And everything he wanted to accomplish through Samuel, he did it. And if you'll walk in purity, um, God will, God will everything he wants to do through you, God will bring it to pass. Uh, it's us that oftentimes get in the way of what God would have done in our lives, with our sin and our disobedience and those things. Uh, but those who seem to go solid with the Lord, God is constantly working in them and through them for his glory. Verse 17 now. But he always returned to Ramah for his home was there. There he judged Israel and there he built an altar to the Lord. So where he lived, he made sure there was a proper place for worship. Um, you'll notice this with many of the patriarchs in the Old Testament. When they would get to a new area, first thing they would do is build an altar. Because worship is important. Everywhere Abraham went when he got there, he built an altar. He was going to make sure that he had a place to worship. Abraham and Lot had the issue. Um, if you notice, when Abram got where he was going, he built an altar. Lot just got there. And uh, when it was time for decisions to be made, Lot looked with his eyes and made a bad decision, end up in Sodom and Gomorrah. Dummy. Abraham didn't make a decision until he heard from God at the altar where he would worship at. And God said, now, Abraham, look up north, south, east, west. I'm giving you all that to you and your descendants after you for generations. I'm giving all to you. And so he went with the promise of God. Lot went thinking it looks good for my animals to eat. And it, it, it worked out different. But I want you to notice that. They made sure that worship was a priority. You make sure. I need to make sure in our lives we make worship a priority. Don't let worship be something that you, if I can, maybe make it a priority. Make it a priority to gather with the people of God. Make it a, a priority personal worship. Um, we don't just worship together. We worship privately. Make worship a priority. Private worship, time spent with the Lord, time in the word of God, time in prayer, time with you alone, just being with God. That's worship. Um, but also corporate worship, make it a priority. The men of God that we see, the people of God in scripture that made worship a priority seem like, you know, when you make God a priority, you, you become his priority as well. You know, Samuel had a favor with the Lord, but he, he, he it just says, what did he have at home? He made sure there was an altar. I, when I'm home, there's going to be a place that each place he visited, there was an altar and he made sure I live here. So there's definitely going to be one here too. I, wherever I'm at, I'm going to make sure I got somewhere to worship the Lord. In closing, I often have told people that were moving, going places. Some people are moved from one place to another, and they're, 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 the first thing is a job or what they're going to do for a living. I said, no, no, no. figure out where you're going to worship. Make sure before you move your body to a new, make sure you got somewhere to, where you're going to fellowship. What body of believers you're going to plug into. That, that should be a priority uh, for believers as we look at moving. And so, as we wrap this up, chapter seven, we, we, we see a lot of things. We see what repentance looks like. Uh, we see what revival looks like. 
God here, he raised up this man, Samuel, who called the people to repentance, to confession, to cleansing, to fasting, all the things that they did to to right themselves with the Lord that they had been not right with. Intercessions was made through the blood of the lamb, which is a type of Calvary's lamb, the lamb of God. And there was the victory Um, as there was repentance and worship and the lamb. There was victory for Israel. And I believe in our lives as we remove anything that's in God's way, as we're intimately connected to the Lord and as we look to the lamb, uh, I believe that that's where we're going to be in victory in our walk and our relationship with the Lord. there are many ways that you can spend your day, but we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel. Pastor Bill is the voice behind these teachings here on A Transforming Word. We genuinely trust that what you're hearing is truly having a transforming effect on your life through listening to God's Word. What is standing out to you about the book of 1 Samuel? Is it the character of Samuel and how he came to the position he did in Israel? Perhaps your curiosity is piqued by the accounts of young David fighting off wild animals and even fighting against a giant enemy. There are all kinds of accounts of fights, chases, and running away from someone who was once trusted. There are also great moments of David and Jonathan and their friendship. This Old Testament book can be such a treasure of information, history, and life lessons. We hope that you're connecting with it in multiple ways today. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up, but please join us again for the next edition as Pastor Bill continues to teach through the book of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep learning and growing in the Word and be expected for another great message here on A Transforming Word.